Amen. Oh, yeah, I am on. That's good. Morning, everyone. It's great to be back with you. Thanks for your prayers for me for my uh, trip to South Sudan, or a trip that was intended to go to South Sudan. But as some of you would have realized or have heard already, I never actually quite made it to South Sudan. I got four and a half thousand miles of the way there. There's only 70 miles left for me to, to get to the destination I wanted to get to. I was on the border of Kenya, and uh, due to a sort of freak rain, uh, um, due to just a, a storm that was there, um, we were unable to land on the mud strip that we had intended to land on. When I arrived at the border town of Logachogia, I've never known it rain there before. It's a, it's a well-known dry place, and it was raining. I thought, oh, this is not good. And uh, so as the, uh, as the plane landed and I went through immigration, I made a joke with the, the guy there about, oh, it's raining in Logachogia. I've never seen it rain here before. And he said, yeah, I've not known anything like it. It's rained solidly for the last 20 hours. And I thought, oh, dear. Oh, dear. So, uh, uh, and then the pilot who came to pick us up uh, was actually supposed to pick someone up from Caperta, where I was going in South Sudan, on the way through. But he couldn't land there because the, the runway was, uh, was waterlogged. So that poor person was stranded there for a, for a while. And he said, look, I'm not going to be able to take you there uh, for, for a few days uh, now. So, um, so we had to sort of pray and seek God. And you know, instantly I was reminded of that time in Acts chapter 16, where Paul went to go and preach the gospel in Asia. You know, Jesus said, go and preach the gospel everywhere. So Paul went to Asia. And it says, the, uh, the spirit of Jesus... Uh, didn't allow him to preach in Asia. So he went to my Asia, and he was trying to get his way through to Bithynia. And it says the Spirit of Jesus forbade him to preach there. So he went down to, to Troas, and that, that's where he got the Macedonian call. And uh, so I was um, there thinking uh, to myself, okay, well, maybe I plan to go here, but God wants me to go here and see our friends in Nairobi and go and encourage them and spend some time with them. So that's what we were uh, able to do. So it was a good time with them. It wasn't what I was originally hoping. It was not what I got you to pray for uh, last week, but obviously God had other plans. So thank you for your prayers. It was great to see them and to encourage them in their work. As, uh, as each time they share their faith, actually they're risking their lives for, for the sake of the gospel, which is great. And it's a real privilege for us to be part of, of what they're they're doing uh, over there. So yeah, thank you for your prayers, and that's them thanking you as well. Anyway, we're going to be continu continuing our series on the grace of God. That's God freely giving us in Jesus what we don't deserve. When you put your trust in Jesus, you not only get forgiven, you get the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of you, you get given eternal life in him. The Bible says that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is given to us in, in Jesus um, and more as well. We are saved by grace through our faith in Jesus. And it's that grace that helps us to live for him and to be transformed more into his likeness. There should be a quote that uh, appears on the screen by Jerry Bridges that says this in his book, The Discipline of Grace. Your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good 
that you are beyond the need of God's grace. The grace of God, it saves you from your sins. That's the things that we do that are wrong, that offend God and that are against his character. And the grace of God enables you to put to death the sinful nature which is within all of us ourselves. By God's grace, we can uh, put to death the sin's dominion over us has been defeated through the cross of Christ. And now sin's free reign in your life can be put to death through the power of the Holy Spirit. And today I just want to bring two simple points to you. That is that we are called to be dead to sin and alive to God. So if you have your Bibles with you, then if you want to look up Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. If not, just uh, listen to me read it to you, my lovely soothing voice. <laughs> Maybe not so soothing, but uh, anyway. Romans 6, verses 1 to 14 says this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him in, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passion. Do not present your members, as members of your body, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but you are under grace. Amen. So firstly, I want to look at how we're called to be dead to sin, or the theological term for that would be mortification. And uh, through putting your faith in Jesus, as I've said, you get forgiven of your sins and you are saved from the wrath of God towards them. The divine punishment that was meant for you and me was placed on Jesus, on the cross. And his righteous life is given to us the moment we put our faith in him. And the Bible makes it clear that we are united to Christ through our faith in him. And in response to our faith, 
And out of obedience to what Jesus says, and because of what God has done on the inside, we get baptized as believers. And here in this passage, Paul makes it clear to us that baptism is a public declaration linking us into Christ and into his death. Interestingly, with those people you've uh, just seen on the video there, in Islam, when a Muslim gets baptized, that's why they made a big thing out of it there, that is when they go through the point of no return in terms of uh, considered by the Islamic community. They, they then are considered an infidel and are an outcast from their community. We don't face that here. So my encouragement to you, if you haven't been baptized yet, is, is be baptized. The Bible is clear, though. Through faith in Jesus, we become one with him. We are in Christ, like a piece of paper bound in a book. It becomes, what, it becomes part of that book. We are part of Christ. The Bible says, you are his body, and he is our head. He's the one in charge. Our sins are forgiven. Our future secured. You are given eternal life the moment you put your faith in him. And so this causes some people to sort of say, well, can I live how I like then if my future's secure? I can carry on sinning, can't I? That, that question was around in Paul's day, and Paul is very clear here, isn't he? He says, by no means you can do that. He tells us, actually, we have died to that way of living. We're called to live for Jesus. In verse 4, he tells us that we might walk in a newness of life, a way of life that pleases God. In verse 6, he goes on to say, our old self was crucified with Jesus in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Terry Virgo tells us this, that the grace of God gets you out of sin. It doesn't encourage you to remain in sin. And that's what's happened to us when we've truly surrendered our lives to Jesus. Notice it's not something that, that will happen. It has happened to us in Christ Jesus. We are called now to live free from sin and to live for God by the power of of the Holy Spirit. Douglas Moo, in his excellent commentary on, on the book of Romans, he says this, Paul argues that the law could never curb sinning, and the reign of grace, far from encouraging sin, is the only means by which sin can be truly defeated. He goes on to say, it's not justification by faith, and sanctification by struggle. Justification is that you are declared righteous before God. It's not saying you get that by faith and then you sanctification is where you live rightly before God. It's saying it's not you don't get one by faith and the other you have to struggle to earn. He goes on, he says this. No. Paul asserts in this passage the inseparability of justification and sanctification as provided equally for us in Christ. Wow. By the grace of God, you can defeat sin in your life. You're set free from it. So even to think like, well, can I continue in sin shows that you are thinking in a, in a worldly way, not a godly way. We are, we are not being transformed by the renewal 
of our mind, as Romans 12, verse 2 tells us. We're, what we're doing is we're living as Jude, verse 4, warns us not to live, as those people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality or immorality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. You see, like a tadpole that has turned into a frog, can no longer breathe underwater, it breathes air, we too are called to live in the newness of life to please God and should no longer live under the murky water of sin that is around us. However, the Bible does make clear, and this passage makes clear, and your own experience will verify that we still do struggle with sin and we still regularly fall into it. That's why Paul in this passage says, let not sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions because there's a temptation for all of us that we will allow it to reign in us and we will obey its passions. It's why he says, don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as an instrument of righteousness. You see, we can do this through the Holy Spirit's help. We have an active part to play in living for God and putting to death the sinful nature. Douglas Moo says this, what we were in Adam, that is, before we became Christians, is no more. But until heaven, the temptation to live in Adam always remains. Our union with Christ... Sorry, uh, in our union with Christ, we have been made dead to sin and alive to God. It remains for us to appropriate it and apply it, what God has done for us. So to use my tadpole frog illustration again, because I like, I like simple things, there's a very brief time in a tadpole's life where it can still breathe underwater and breathe air. But the former way of breathing underwater becomes increasingly difficult until it's impossible. Likewise, for those of us who are in Christ, there is a very brief period of time, this life here on earth, where we can still live for, in sin or we can live for God. But if your faith is genuine and you're truly born again, then the former way of living should become increasingly more difficult as the Holy Spirit sets you apart to live for God. You see, in God's sovereignty, he wants you to take an active part in living for him, in putting to death the sinful nature. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, that we're to take every thought captive and make it obedient to, to Christ. You see, God's work, Jerry Bridges tells us, doesn't make our effort unnecessary, but it makes it effective. It's God who enables us to actually do this and to, to live for him. You see, you can give... Uh, see, if you had a pilot of a plane, there's no way by himself he could ever fly, no matter how hard he flapped his wings. He's not going to be able to fly. But if you give him a plane, then the sky is the limit for him. And outside of Christ... There is no hope of us defeating the dominion of sin over us. It's our master. We have no hope of getting free from it. Jesus says this in John chapter 8. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. In Jesus, you and I have been set free from sin's dominion over us. Our eternal future is one where we will fully live to please God and know his perfect favor and goodness on our lives. But this side of eternity, there's not only a spiritual battle raging out there, there's a spiritual battle raging in here, inside each one of us, all the time. And through the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, you can put to death the sinful nature that is within you. What things does the Bible tell us we need to put to death? Well, Colossians 3, verses 5 to 10 makes it clear. It should, should have, I think I've got those passages uh, that appear uh, behind me. It says this, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them away, put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in knowledge after the image of its creator. For us as believers... Whilst the presence and influence of sin will always be with us in this life, by God's grace, you can put to death sin and you can defeat it in your life because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Now sin's free reign in our life can be, can be put to death by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you haven't surrendered your life to him. There's no other way of getting right with God other than coming through him. It's like you know, if, if you were trying to clear your house of, of, of mudstains that are in your house. I've got th- four kids, so our house has got regular mudstains in it. But there's no, there's no good trying to clear your house of mudstains when you yourself are still covered in mud. Whatever you do will still be tainted by sin. And even when we try to please God, when we're outside of Christ, our life will still be tainted by our sin. But as you recognize your need for Jesus, as you surrender your life to him, you get forgiven. You get washed clean by Jesus. You get given a new start and you get given the power to put to death the sinful nature within, so that you can live for God. Which brings me on to my last point, that we're called to be alive to God, or sanctification, as would be the theological term, being set apart to live for God. So we can move on to that slide. The grace of God, his undeserved favor on us, where we get to rejoice 
in all his goodness. It doesn't just set us free from sin's dominion. It makes us alive for God so that we can live for him, that we can walk in a newness of life that he has prepared for you. He hasn't just left it down to you and I to struggle in our own power as orphans to try and please God by our own might. No, he has given us the Holy Spirit to empower us to live for him. Again, Jerry Bridges in his, his excellent book, Discipline of Grace, says this, spiritual transformation is, the, is primarily the work of the Holy Spirit. He is the master sculpture. He helps us in our weakness, and precisely because of our weakness, we need to regularly come to him and ask for fresh filling, to be filled afresh, so that we can live for him. You see, Christ has brought us out of that cesspit of sin that we were in. But every time we go back to sinning, it's like we're putting on our poo-covered clothes again. No one wants to do that. It's disgusting. He has new clothes fit for righteousness for you and I to walk in and to enjoy his goodness. By God's grace and the help of the Holy Spirit, we can put off things like lying, selfishness, anger, impurity, irritability, irritability, greed, pride, materialism, and we can put on things like truthfulness, kindness, gentleness, purity, patience, generosity, humility, cheerful giving. There's a list that should appear on the screen behind me, just there. Yes, you see, Paul tells us with our thinking that we need to do this. He says this in Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You see, what we're called to do in all these things is to replace the worldly way of thinking with a godly one, one that is worthy of praise uh, as well. You see, because if you're anything like me, which you are, by the way, we're all in a similar boat here, then what you do when you're trying not to think about the wrong thing you're thinking about is you end up thinking about it more. You, think, you sort of think, oh, that's a nice thought. And then you think, oh, no, I shouldn't think about that. Oh, no, it's really naughty to think about that. I shouldn't think about that thought. So, oh, sorry, Lord, for thinking about that. And each time you're thinking about that thing that you shouldn't be thinking about, your sinful nature is delighting in the thing that you're thinking about. What's better to do in that situation is just to say a quick bullet prayer to God of, Lord, forgive me for that. Help me not to do that, think about that anymore, and actively choose to think about something else. Focus your mind on something praiseworthy or something godly. And if that sinful thought is inspired by the person that you are with or the thing you are watching or the place that you're in, then flee from that situation at the first opportunity you get. My friends, by the grace of God and the power of his Spirit, let us strive with all our might to put to death the sinful nature within us and live for God. See, Paul is very clear in Romans 8, verse 13. He says this, 
If you live according to the flesh, that's according to your sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your body, you will live. God, in his grace, wants you to take an active part. He wants you to co-labor with him in doing the works that he's got for you. And do you know what the Bible tells us? As you do these good works, which he prepared beforehand in advance for you to walk in, he will reward you with eternal rewards as you live for him in the way that he empowers you to live. It's a, it's a win-win situation. And the truth is, because of the grace of God, even when we fail, which we all do, even when we fall into sin, yet again, the grace of God enables us to be forgiven and to have a fresh start every day. The Bible tells us in the book of Lamentations, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. I always want to repeat that because of the song, new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And I want to add, oh God, in there as well. But that's not, the scriptures don't have, oh God, in there. But uh, great is your faithfulness. So in closing, by God's grace, sin's dominion over you has been defeated through Christ's death on the cross. Now sin's free reign in your life can be put to death by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not called to live in it. We're called to put it to death. And grace gives us the means to do that. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I just want to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to him. As you've heard me speak and realize, actually, it's not about you freshening up your act and then God may accept you. It's about you recognizing, oh dear, I need help. I'm coming to you, Lord Jesus. So if that's you this morning, can I just ask everyone to bow their heads in, in prayer? I just want you to pray this prayer along with me of surrender to Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me enough to send Jesus to die for me on the cross. Please forgive me for all that I've done that offends you. And through the power of your Spirit, please help me to live the rest of my life for you. I give you my life. And I want to live the rest of it for you. In Jesus' name, I pray this. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer along with me, please come and grab me afterwards. I'd love to talk to you and give you this uh, Why Jesus book without the sweet wrapper in it. It wasn't me, by the way. It wasn't me. I didn't eat that sweet. But i uh, give you this Why Jesus book. And if you're not on the Alpha course, we have the Alpha course running at the moment, 7.30 on Thursday night. Come along to that as well to help explain more about this amazing person that is Jesus Christ. But you see, all of this, for the rest of us who are here already Christians, and for those of you who just prayed that prayer, who are now a Christian, all this is freely given us because of what Jesus did for us as he gave his life on the cross so that we could receive 
eternal life. And what we're going to do, I'm going to invite the band to come back uh, uh, for worship, to lead us in a time of worship now as we celebrate Jesus. We celebrate his goodness. We celebrate his victory over, over death. But to start this time, we're going to uh, take the bread and the wine. There's four stations around this room, and we're going to remember Jesus' death on the cross. So as you go up to the, uh, these stations, just as the, as the music starts to play, can I encourage you just to be bringing any of those recent sins that you're aware of in your life, just surrendering, uh, asking for forgiveness and bringing them to God and thanking Jesus for his death on the cross for you. And then as you've done that and you take the bread and the wine, you go back to your, your seat. Can I just encourage you in twos and threes as a band's playing, just to pray for each other that you would be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit and that he would help you to live for God. If you're a guest here or if you're, and you feel a bit awkward about it or you're, you're not a Christian uh, here this morning, then just, just stay in your seats. Feel free just to stay in your seats. You, this, this part uh, maybe not be for you, if, certainly not for you if you're, if you're not a, a Christian. But um, just, just, just watch and uh, just uh, listen to the music and join in with the music as well. But for the rest of us, let's come. Let's be just confessing our sins to God as we, as we come and thanking him for what he has done on the cross for us. And then, and then be praying for each other. And the final thing I wanted to say is you, use those three stations around the room there at the back uh, left uh, and the, the two on the right. But if you want prayer for something, if you're here and you need prayer for, for healing or if you know there's an area of sin that you're struggling with in your life that you don't seem to be able to get free from, or there's just an area of your life that you just know, oh, God, I really want to walk in all that you've got for me in this area of my life, and I'm struggling to do that. Come up to this station over here on the left, uh, on your right. No, your left, my right. Yeah, uh, uh, on, on the, the left over there. And the ministry team are going to come to this station as well, and they're going to take uh, the bread and the wine for themselves first, and then once they thank God for uh, what he has done for, for them, they'll be free to pray with you. So use the other three stations as we worship, but if you want prayer for healing, if you want prayer to be set free in an area of sin, or you just want prayer to live in freedom, then come, um, come up to this station here. You got that? Shall we stand? I'll pray and then I'll hand over to Chris. Lord God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Lord, thank you that what we could never earn by ourselves, you freely have given us in your Son, the Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your death on the cross for us. Lord, we thank you for your, that you gave your life so that we can know life, eternal life in you. And Lord, as we come and take the bread and the wine and remember your death, Lord God, help us to put to death that sinful nature that was within us, Lord God, that you have given us victory over. And Lord God, help us to live for you and to walk in all the newness of life that you have called us to. Because we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.